Sweet. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Stephen Dunn. This is me. And what do you do? Um, so, truthfully, I'm employed full-time as Manager of Research Integrity and Compliance here at UCO, uh, and I'm also adjunct faculty in SUC. Okay. So, over there, you mainly help with, like, IRB stuff, right? IRB, I cook, um, for the most part. So, anything with animals, lower or human, oh, whatever. Cool. Okay. I don't know that you... I don't know that you did stuff like with that or like you know make sure that animals didn't get hurt and stuff right and we don't do like we don't have an animal facility here so mm -hmm. it's there's less to do uh, places i've been before we you know we have full animal facility and things like that mm -hmm. uh, we don't have that so most of it's field research um more like trapping things like that mm -hmm. i remember that dr j was going to do some research at the oklahoma city sioux mm -hmm. with uh because I think they had like a like a new like baby monkey or baby like chimp. Yeah. Oh, and then she was gonna like go over there and film and like try to. But then I heard about that like a year ago, and like could be. I don't know if she did it for research. She may have just gone over there for herself. And because uh, we have a couple people from <clears throat> the zoo that are on our committee, mm -hmm. and so we have a a way to co uh, connect and collaborate with them. Mm -hmm. But um, she's done some stuff at some different places. She did one at, uh, at a different clinic with primates and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So. What, what did you study when you went to school? So I uh, graduated a couple of times from here uh, with a couple more going. But uh, So I have a BA in uh, psych, uh, an MA in uh, experimental psych, and I stopped during the dissertation <clears throat> in educational psych. Mm -hmm. Uh, what kind of got you into psychology? Oh, uh, wow. Um, really and honestly, I started, when I started college, um, I was going to go, if I remember right, I was going to go into history. I wanted to be a history professor. Uh, and then I started taking some classes on criminal justice and things like that. And a friend of mine was like, ooh, FBI would be sweet. Mm. Um, but all along through my whole life, uh, people talking with people, people always felt comfortable talking to me. Uh, and so there was always this connection with humans. Um, so when I learned about FBI and it really, it's a shitty job because you're always, you know, you're not with your family, you're not doing this, and that's mm -hmm. kind of not my way. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> right about that time, I took uh, general psych mm -hmm. at Southwestern University with Dr. Scott. Um, and everything made sense. Uh, like two years before that, I had considered going uh, into seminary to be a priest, um, but realized the whole no sex thing was really just kind of too mm. big of a problem. Uh, but helping people and being a part of, kind of at that point, I thought, 
really priests and clergymen were the only ones that helped people like that. Mm. Uh, I really never considered therapy as like a real thing mm. um, until that gen site class. Uh, and once I took that, I was just uh, I was in love. Like this was, I knew it, this yeah. was it. Um, and then at that point, I also went to a double major for whatever reason. Um, and I was a theater major um, for direction, um, which I guess is kind of Freudian almost of me, you know, to, to, to love the, the theater that much. Yeah. But when I, moved, when I transferred, uh, Laura, who I was dating then, married now, um, we moved to the city and went to UCO. And that's when they said, you can't do that here. You can't have that double major. And I was like, well, why the hell yeah. can't you have a double major? Do it. I can get as many degrees as I want. Mm. Like, but I didn't really argue with them. I was just like, okay, then it's psych because there's really no future in the other one. So mm. uh, that's kind of where I went. With, with me, I, uh, I, I don't think I ever really wanted or like thought too far ahead. Like I, I, like I never really thought like I'm gonna go like I'm gonna talk to people and do therapy. I feel like it was mainly. I like taking psychology classes. Like, in, like if, if I'm going to go to school, I want to, like, enjoy what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It, it was just mainly I like this setting. And then, like, now, like, at, years later, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll do this. Like, <laughs> Right. Uh, but, I mean, you know, that's so uh, this Romanian biomedical researcher that I used to work with, <clears throat> Dr. Lupu, um, who's wonderful. Uh, he grew up in one of those Romanian villages, and he's older. Um, well, like, they didn't have, I don't even think they had concrete or whatever. It's like, mm. you know, just a shitty little farming community. Mm. And he went to his dad, and his dad said, uh, what do you want to do, Florio, when you wake up? Or when you get older, what do you, you want to do? And he said, well, I want to be happy. Mm. And his dad said, well, what the hell does that mean? He's like, if you want to be happy for a day, like, you know, take a nap. Yeah. You're happy for a day. Uh, if you want to be happy for like a uh, couple of weeks, maybe into a month, win the lottery. That's, that's a good way to be happy for about that long. Um, but if you want to be happy for, you know, maybe six months to a year or two, get married. You know, and that, that'll be about mm-hmm. the extent yeah. that that happiness can be given. Um, he goes, but if you want to be happy the rest of your life, find a way to make money doing something you love so that you never work. Um, and, and working at Omarav, uh, where I worked with him, that was never so apparent, that, that mm-hmm. concept. Um, we used to joke around with a lot of different researchers, and I would, I would ask some of them, like, you know, what if you won the lottery? What would you do? And literally, the answer all too commonly from different um, researchers was, I might take a vacation, mm-hmm. uh, then I'd come back and probably fund my own research. Mm-hmm. But it was never... I'm not going to research. I'm yeah. always going to research. Um, whereas, you know, mo- like if I asked my dad for one lottery, he's like, I'm never working again. Screw this. You know, like that's mm-hmm. kind of that mentality. Um, so there's something to that where you just say, I'm going to find a way. You know, if knitting is your passion and that's what you want to do, you got to learn how much money you need. Uh, have a reasonably sized house because it's not going to be very big. Uh and, and then you go to as many craft shows as you need to in order to make the money you need to do. But that way you don't ever have to work. And yeah. every day is just living. And that's kind of a, I think it's a, a nice little secret that people overlook. Um, but I never heard it put so well. And once I did, I was like, ah, 
some, some people mix the two though. Like some people, like it's like I love to do this, and then when they start doing it for money, it's like I hate it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we we know that that's it's kind of a <coughs> when you look at uh, like you take away the intrinsic. Yeah, thing. like when you look at the intrinsic extrinsic motivation uh, with like CBT type stuff. Uh, so if you have a strong reader and someone who just loves to read, the minute a teacher puts in a uh, sticker chart, a token economy, whatever kind, all of a sudden they hate reading. Mm-hmm. Because now they're doing it, it seems like, extrinsically instead of intrinsically, which is why they always did it. So you have to wrestle that little hurdle, but I think for people as you get older, you realize that that's just a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you continue to do it for the love and not the money. I think that's the, the Can you Does, I, and again, like now we're kind of like, but like this is what this is. Uh, just praising, like, like, good job, kid. You just read that book. Like, does that take, like... <clears throat> well, I think, I mean, that's going to work for most kids. I think the kids are probably really intrinsic about it, and the praising might not be great. I think it might be a better approach to say, so tell me about that book. Mm. Tell me what you got out of it and have a discussion with them. Yeah. Because I think what they're really going to be looking for is that interaction, that, uh, that oh, wow, like, mm. they just elevated me to their level. I think you probably experienced that with professors. I know yeah. I did. Uh, when I read a certain book, and I was like, oh, they, if they just looked at me and said, great job, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what, kiss my ass. Like, How about that? I don't yeah. need you to say great job. But if they looked at me and said, oh, you know what? I read that too, and that's fascinating. And they would talk about what they did. It encouraged me almost to read another book to try to have another conversation yeah. like that. Um, and so I think maybe now, in a third grade or fourth grade setting, Is it practical to do that? Probably not. You know, 30 kids and you'd have to have an individual conversation with 30 kids. It would be too much. So I can understand why it's a sticker chart or a good job. Uh, but I think ultimately we probably want that good conversation. I think that's probably a better way to approach it. Um, what, because uh, like you said that like therapy, you never thought about therapy, but you mentioned how you were good. Like, like uh, people would come to you Or, I don't know, confide in you? Or oh, like everything. Or, okay. Like that, and advice, and um, my boyfriend sucks, and all of those things. Mm. And, um, and so it was just kind of always around. And I, I and what I noticed, it was different, because I, I think that's kind of true for everybody when you're younger. Um, but then I noticed some of my friend's parents would do it. And I was mm. like, okay, that's weird. Yeah, you're a 40 year old and you're asking a 17 year old for advice. Mm. Like, you know, I don't know shit. So, mm. um, and that's kind of when I knew that uh, whether, I mean, you know, now they have all those hokey terms of like I'm an empath or whatever mm. nonsensical kind of thing that's out there. Um, for whatever reason, I just, I dig it. Yeah. And, and, and I think that comes off as genuine interest and curiosity. And I think anybody feeds off of that, whether they're 40, whether they're older, younger, my age, they see someone who genuinely cares and mm-hmm. wants to know the answer to that or the conclusion to that situation. Yeah. So, um, I mean, psych made sense, uh, even though I didn't know what psych really was at that time. Mm-hmm. It just, it did fit. Did you think that you wanted to do like therapy and... Uh... Well, yeah, well, so that's what led me to want to be in seminary. I, I didn't mm. want to be in seminary to promote the word of God. Yeah, I wanted to be there to help people in their yeah. times of need, uh, and that's all I wanted to do. 
And I talked to a couple of priests and we had those conversations. <laughs> we're like, I don't think you should do this. Like so I, did seminary, did that idea come before or after psychology? That was before. Okay. That was uh, freshman year, maybe sophomore year, mm-hmm. um, when I was really thinking about that. Because I just, I you know, it wasn't about religion for me. It's just I wanted to help. I wanted to be mm-hmm. something that could help someone deal with a tough situation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when I took psych, I was like, ah, there's this whole thing. You know, yeah. I could do that. So when I finished... Um, as I was working with, uh, working on my master's program here, I started working um, in a mental health capacity. Uh, I did that for about seven years or eight years. Um, I, I didn't do the uh, the therapeutic route. Um, it was the behavior modification or psychosocial mm-hmm. rehabilitation route. Uh, decent pay for you know that kind of effort, uh, effort. but. You have the scheduling issues that you have to try to meet them on their schedule. We did in-home therapy. Mm. Uh, so you, you have that issue and they're flaky. Um, but yet you're paid based on them. So you're kind of out there back and call. It's kind of weird like being like, even if like I come to you, you're still flaky? Like, <laughs> no, like... Like, oh, yeah, they're, they're absolutely would be there like, uh, well, because, you know, you're, you're dealing with, and we dealt with the poorest in Oklahoma City. Mm. And, and so they have you know, any number yeah. of problems. I mean, yeah. But consistency is not one of their strong suits. I mean, that's just not their thing. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily because of the poor. It's just because there's just so much going on um, and they're limited in resources. So you show up and like, oh, I forgot. Mm. You're like, okay, well, that doesn't help. Um but then you have that issue, and then you have the other sides of the issues where you deal with people who talk about dad touching them when they're not supposed to touch them, or mom boyfriend doing that. You have mom who uh, spanks with extension cords or something like that. And you lose a little hope uh, as to what, why you're doing it. And so I, I think you start approaching burnout. I don't know if everybody does that. I did that. Um, I'm sure there's people who do, I mean, I know there's people who are doing the job that I was doing, um, who have moved on to become therapists and are still doing that, that mm-hmm. type of work. But um, I, it wasn't a good fit for me. Um, and that's when I went into research and academia. Because I, I do, it does seem like without like an incredible amount of like resources that it's super difficult to change people's like behaviors and patterns and stuff like that. Well, and, you know, there's there's one story about that that sticks out to me. Well, oh, there's two that stick out the most. One kid I, I went and started working with, he, uh, he was making some problems in school or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and he was a smart kid, though. And so we started working on it, and I got him to care about school the first time. Um, and he's close to making an honors roll. Well, then his friends jumped him for acting white. Mm-hmm. He was, a, he was a, a young black man. And I was like, well, so, so, so when is successful white? Like, mm-hmm. that's a horrible thing. Yeah. That, that the folks in that community were attributing is success is only white. Um, and so that was pretty hard to handle. And then I had another kid that I started who was uh, one of the first ones I ever started working with. Uh, and I loved him. And he and I are still in contact today. And uh, when I met him, he really didn't read well. And... But he was maybe one of the brightest people I've ever worked with. Um, 
charisma was just pouring out of him. Uh, he had a smile that made everybody else smile, but he had a rough life. And <clears throat> we got him, uh, I think it was like his sophomore, junior year, somewhere in there. We got him kind of turned around, and, and he was starting to care and understand that it was important. This is a kid, I think, who was apt, if I remember right. He missed 45 days of school the previous year and somehow made it to the next grade. Mm. He had teachers who would look him in the face and say, if you just show up a little bit, I'll give you a C or a D and move you through. Mm. Which is not helping him learn how to read at all. Um, no child left behind. Right, right. We just moved him forward. Um, and he started to care. He was like, you know what, I am. I'm going I'm to really apply myself. I'm going to get the help I need. And he was going to look at getting a tutor and all these things. It was really cool. Um, and then he went to his school and his first day of his uh, junior, senior year, um, teacher called roll and didn't call his name. She's like, well, you know, go talk to the principal or whatever. And the principal, he went to the principal's office and the principal literally looked him in the face and said, oh, I didn't think you'd waste our time by showing up. I unenrolled you. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was trying to tell him, I was like, you know, that's, that's illegal. Mm -hmm. you know, they can't do that. You know, that, that that's, it's a horrible violation. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's one of those things where, like, well, uh, we don't want to deal with that. We don't want to deal with the fight. And these people, you know, in, in that kind of setting, in that poorer setting, are so used to that that they don't ever feel like there is something in there for them. Yeah. At every turn, it's a negative. Um, and so you, you start taking a lot of that and you see that there's this true agenda to just keep people down. Yeah. At a certain point, like, mm, dude, they're, they're poor they're or whatever, and we're not going to give them the time of day. Uh, and then I started reading some stuff by, uh, there was a cool article called The Hidden Agenda of uh, American Education by Jill Anion, or Jean Anion, mm -hmm. um, where she talks about inner city schools, the number one priority for the school, and you go to pep rallies and you can hear it, um, is attendance. They harp on attendance. Be yeah. here, be here, be here. If you're here, I'll pass you. You know, that kind yeah. of mindset. Um, because all the, the purpose of the school is to replace the worker, the workforce that they have. So those are assembly line workers. They come from parents who, you know, operate the lower level jobs. And all they want to do is replace them in the workforce. Whereas when you go to the, um, you go to the suburbs, mm -hmm. kind of where I was, attendance wasn't a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm a middle manager. Yeah. I'm going to get vacations and yeah. stuff. Um, having the right answer was the most important thing. Do you have the right answer? Um, and, and so as long as you have the right answer, then we can overlook some attendance problems mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, and I, you know, I, I know firsthand that that was the, the game of the suburban school that I went to. And then when you go to the private schools, it's abstract thought, control mm -hmm. and manipulation. Well, mm -hmm. they're the CEOs, so they have to know how to yeah. juggle these things. And so this was this paper was written in this I think the seventies maybe a little earlier, um, <clears throat> identifying that, and then I just got out of seeing it firsthand. Yeah. And you realize, okay, I want to do something else. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to put band aids over problems. Uh, I want to maybe try to work towards helping the problem. Yeah. Uh, and so then research and academia became like that makes sense to me. What uh, kind of research Hello. did you, you work on? Okay. Here, uh, so I was I was a product of the the former leadership of uh, Dr. Knight and Frederickson. 
Um, so a lot of it was evolutionary sight, uh, and, and that is a strong background for me. Um, so my master's thesis was on ratings of uh, ratings in attraction of men in postmenopausal women. So we do know, like uh, Dr. Knight had a study here where he brought a, we brought in, you know, females. Typically, it was whoever was helping with the research. You knew one or two people. You brought them in, um, and you took their temperature every day to see when they were ovulating, and they basically chose preference between two faces. And on one side, it was morphed with Ashley Judd, and the other side was morphed with George Clooney yeah. to make it either feminine or masculine. Um, and and so what we found, I can't remember exactly the statistics, and I don't know if he ever published it. Um, he said that so during ovulation, sorry, during uh, ovulation, during ovulation, it was to George Clooney. But outside of ovulation, it was actually John. So they actually would rather live with the feminine characteristic than the masculine characteristic. Uh, because the feminine maybe, and of course these are assumptions you make, but maybe indicates that uh, a better companion. Whereas while ovulation is, masculine is giving you better genes. Which is kind of that core tenet of evolutionary psychology. So wait, okay, the, the faces were of men? Yeah, they okay, were okay, men, okay, and okay. they were morphed either softer uh, to a more feminine And then men were rating... Or, or masculine with George Clooney, okay, stronger okay, okay, jaws okay. and okay. eye separations and things. So, <clears throat> it's kind of fascinating. I mean, they've done research to show that, like, uh, I believe, if I remember right, it was 30% of men in a certain community were raising children that they thought were theirs. Mm. But, like, you know, their yeah. wife had banged the UPS guy yeah. during ovulation. Um so during that whole uh, evolutionary psych kind of thing, we were talking about mating and the differences and things. So it kind of, I was curious of, well, what about postmenopausal? Mm. What what, we, what could we find with them and rating in those same kind of ratings? And of course, I wouldn't get anybody. I don't know if there's a benefit to taking their temperature every day. I mean, they're not ovulating, so yeah. we wouldn't expect it. So I just started with just. Uh, uh, I had all my participants sort through a number of faces. Um, one set was age appropriate, and the other set was probably will spitball like twenty-five year old mm -hmm. range, younger range, um, baby producing range. Mm -hmm. And femininity was always more important. The the more feminine faces always ranked better, but the masculine faces rank the best in the younger set. So it's almost as an indication maybe, and again, this research wasn't mm -hmm. continued on or anything, but uh, that maybe that there's some residual effect of that they're still baby makers. Yeah. And, and these folks aren't. So it was, it was kind of interesting to see how that played out. Mm -hmm. And, okay. What did you do? After, because you said that you worked a little bit with like people from like the animal stuff. Yeah. So after, I can't remember exactly what I did. In between, somewhat. I think there was a big lap. Uh, like I, I graduated my master's here, and then I went to a job fair at UCL, and Omarath was there, uh, which is Oakland Medical Research Foundation, and. One of their HR people was there, and they had a band that says, do you like research? I said, well, I love research, so I just went and started talking to her. 
And I was like, I, I love research. What kind of research do you do? And she goes, biomedical. And I was like, so probably not psychological. Mm-hmm. And she goes, not too much, but there is some bleed over in certain yeah. things because they study lupus and things like that. And there's obviously some uh, psychological inventories that they take. Um, so I was like, well, cool. I'm interested in you guys. So I filled out an application and talked to her, gave her um, my CV and everything. And about uh, like two months later, I got called in for an interview. And then a month after that, I was hired there. Um, so I started working with a couple of different research groups there um, as a, more of an administrative role for them, um, kind of learning what they were doing. And then as I stayed there, I kind of kept evolving into different kind of roles and ultimately ended up as um, the coordinator of what we would call research integrity and compliance. Um, so I was a coordinator of the IACUC and the IRP there. Um, and then uh, from there, I did a brief stint at another university that I won't name uh, because I told my direct supervisors that they were a fucking idiot. And there was a reason that we had like a 200% turnover rate in the office and it was her. Yeah. Um, and I was relieved of my position. So not the best move, but mm-hmm. I felt like it was necessary. Um, and then I did a brief run at a job that I had previously decades ago. Uh, and then I saw an ad for the position here. Um, so in 2016, uh, in April, I was hired here. Um, one thing that I, like, I'm friends with you on Facebook, and you get political. All the time. Yeah. Uh, Many people hate that. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. Let, let's talk politics. How, how are things? Uh, uh, it's a nightmare. Um, Trump, Trump is an awful human being. There's no question there. Uh, he's... He's deplorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I often don't have a problem with him. It's the people that got him that office that mm-hmm. I really am more concerned with, whether they're Russian or American or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever helped him there, um, they're the biggest problem. Um, in, in my class, you know, I, I often show the movie Idiocracy. Yeah. Um, and what's sad is, like, that was a dark comedy of how bad it can get if we don't rein it in. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think we over, like, I think we went further than. I think we've surpassed that movie. And then when you're in that pits of hell kind of moment, I look at it as, as, as awful as he is, and he is, he's just the worst in any category besides people who benefited really well from their parents' inheritance. Like, that's the only category he excels in. And at, hair. His which hair is great. Is so I'm going to give him that. Uh, it could be worse. Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking, as bad as he is, Mike Pence might be the only, or, or Ted Cruz, and only because they have an agenda to destroy. He destroys because he's stupid. And that's, that's bad. Yeah. But what if we had somebody with an agenda? So when we look at Mike Pence and he wanted to make a political, when he was yeah. the, in Indiana, he wanted to make a big <clears throat> push to defund Planned Parenthood and all these other things for his religious ideology. Um, he did that, and they then had an outbreak of HIV, they had an outbreak of all kinds of STDs. 
all because of his agenda. Mm. And, and so I think if I really have to take one of the two, I would rather have the moron than the one with a real severe axe to grind. How much does he does the control does he have? Because it, it seems like he <coughs> mainly watches TV and kind of lets other people make the decisions and then he kind of like backs it up. So he doesn't have a lot of control and that's the thing. With with the president, he is more of the figurehead, uh, as I understand it. Mm. The problem is, is he puts people in positions of authority and power that do have issues and, and do try mm. to... Typically, those are just rich, horrible oligarchs that want to create more bounty for themselves. Then would you say that like if Pence was in there, the same thing would be happening, but like just minus the tw tweets? Well, it would... Uh, no, I think it would be a little worse because I mm -hmm. think he would come out with what I like, we're on the verge of possibly losing some ground uh, in civil rights for our uh, LGBTQA yeah. community. Uh, with Pence, it's a guarantee we lose ground. We might lose it with him. With Pence, it's a guarantee. I feel uh, that's my that's my issue yeah. there. It's the civil rights movements will take a hit with Pence. They might take a hit with Trump. But they're already, like, kind of attacking it. They so are. Because I, I, I feel like it's almost like a, what scares me, because I feel like it may be the same, but it's just that the mouthpiece is going to be, like, this is presidential. So it's going to seem normal, but the mouth is going to be like, fuck women. Like, right. like yeah, like, it's, it's the mouthpiece is going to be sound normal, but it's going to be like, we're going to take away your rights. Right. And everybody's going to be like, oh, that oh, darn Republicans. Right. But like, it's... It's easier to yeah. identify with Trump. Yeah. Because he says it, A, like a third grader. Yeah. Um, spelled probably worse than a third grader, but in that realm. And he has that, it's like, oh my God, that's horrible. Yeah. It's easy to say. Whereas Pence is definitely more eloquent um, and kind of like, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing, or, you know, if you want to use to turn it on its head, he's like, you know, the devil proving mm. that he doesn't exist and he's mm. not that bad guy, but he is. Just do, do you think, like, people like Pence and, like, what's uh, Jeff Sessions, do you think they believe what they say? Um, in some, and some of it, yes. In all of it, no. Mm. Uh, so, so when you look at Sessions issues with homosexuality and things. I think he honestly feels that way. Now, whether it's because he is maybe of that group mm. and tries to dispute it and, mm. and fight against it, and that's his way of doing it, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, but he's definitely motivated. Mm. And so I would have whether to say at some that, point he believes it. I was like, where, whether he's secretly gay, I couldn't tell you, but his blowjobs are awesome. I won't <laughs> say that, but yeah, I, I could understand someone saying I could. I could get mm. that. Uh, because as we, you know, we, we, there's been how many uh, Christian pastors yeah, to prove yeah. just that point mm -hmm. where uh, they're so adamantly against it until they're found out with yeah. um, a gay prostitute or whatever. And, you know, um, and we, we live in a world where we keep telling everybody that this is wrong, but it's natural. And so it's, it's not wrong. There's mm -hmm. no wrong there. Um, and, and so I think... To me, it makes sense to say that the people that are so adamantly against it have to believe that it is wrong. Otherwise, they would accept it. It, it does seem that, I don't know, like, it's like, why are you so invested in this? Right. right? Like, why are you so against it? Because I, 
I don't want to get into it. The gay stuff, at least. Uh, what about the, like, okay, the bad people, like, smoke weed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to where, like, again, science says, like, weed's less dangerous than, than right. alcohol. But, like, you know, Jeff Sessions is pushing to... Yeah, um, I don't know that he really believes. I could see it. Uh, because it would be, um, it'd be consistent with many other points in his mm-hmm. ideology. So I, I could see it that he actually believes that. Um, what bothers me about it is a number one, he be- he says he believes in states' rights and state government and local government, and yet now he wants to because he can. But not only that, if he's one of these fiscal conservatives. Um, Everywhere that has been legal, it's been a boon to the economy, and those mm. economies are extraordinarily strong. And there hasn't been an outbreak of crime or violence or anything else, and they've actually had a reduction in most of those scenarios. So I, I don't know what he's standing on mm. other than ideology to yeah. say these things. Because he's, he's absolutely, there's no credible information to support him. Um, so I don't know if maybe somebody, I often, you know, if you want to play devil's advocate, maybe. Maybe it's the uh, private prison uh, money is yeah. getting at them because they're going to lose folks in their little uh, horrible hotels and stuff like that that they can put people in for nonviolent crime. Because that's also like what's scary, right? Like, to the 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 scary part is that like it's like all right, you can have this false belief that bad people smoke weed, but also whenever there's like all these people like making money from like putting people in jail. Like that's what like make it makes it seem demonic, right? Right. It it, it definitely shows a possible motivation, mm. uh, especially when you look at and I and I don't know that this is the case. It may or may not be uh, if they have a lot of contribution money from mm. certain groups like that. Then it then it looks like it might yeah. be definitely more that way. Um, but you know, <clears throat> I, I, I'm. I'm probably more on the side of for legalization of some of those drugs. Uh, I don't think meth ever needs to be legal for any amount of reason. Um, Can you make clean meth? <laughs> I just, like, I think there's certain things we just mm. say, mm, no. Um, you can play over there, but not over there. Uh, but then the argument comes, I think most of those are really harmful to the body. I think that's, that's my big reason of saying no. But I had a professor here before who I, I really liked. Um, we were talking about drugs. And I made the case of I said, well, but it's not as bad as alcohol. Mm. And he said, well, so is that our criteria then? From from now on, the, the criterion that we're going to focus on is it's not as bad as something else. Yeah. As long as it's not as bad as something else that's legal, then it's okay. Um, and I get his argument as well. Yeah. Uh, and he was saying almost that, well, maybe we should get rid of alcohol. Because it's not good for you. Yeah. Right? It's not... Um, I get that, you know, I, I get that argument, but the, I think at the same time, we have to offer something for people to escape in a little bit here and there as they see fit or whatever. I feel like for sure, like de- decriminalize everything. Like just because you put something in your body, you should go to jail. Um, I, I, to an extent. I, I still say meth should be issued because it, it, it is. There's just too many negative consequences from it. I can't say there's that many negative consequences to marijuana. I yeah. can't. Meth, 
Yes. I, I can absolutely say that there's that many now. Some of the mm-hmm. negative consequences become that it is illegal, right? And so mm-hmm. that is that is a factor. But I still am going to say the way that it destroys the body, and I know some of that's the way it's made as well. Um, it, to me, it sounds like backwoods manufacturing mm-hmm. And that I don't know that there's a purer form than you're ever going to find in the backwoods. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like whatever those chemicals, I don't know exactly. I've, I've read a little bit about it, but like gasoline and, and sinus medicine and something else mm-hmm. and something else. I don't think any of those combinations of things, you know, should be put in a body. And yeah. so I, I don't have a problem making that some kind of negative thing. However, I do think there's better approaches for it. I, I, well, I just read that. I think maybe I posted on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it about the heroin being given uh, in the Netherlands yeah. or whatever, they gave it to people and then they tried to like make it better. I read a book on, on it, uh, uh, Gabor Mate, and that's what like, my comment was, like a, a link to like his book. Because um, uh, he they did that in Canada also, and he worked at that place, and he like he kind of like, like the whole book was like him talking about addiction, like right. being in that environment where you do... Uh, it's kind of like harm. I think harm redu- reduction, like they, because they they did they they would give people like drugs, like uh, I, I don't I don't know. Um, again, it sounds bad that. when yeah. you say like when you say drugs, like, hey, yeah, I gave people heroin. I I, I could I could make a case for heroin more than I could make one for meth. Mm. Meth, I just I have yet to see or hear a case for legalization or non-criminal offense of meth that I can really get behind. This is, because uh, it, it sounds like I'm like, meth is awesome. Right. This is why everyone should do it. Like, that, that's yeah, not my yeah, argument. Don't do that. <laughs> my, my argument is like, it should be decriminalized to where like, you don't go to jail, but more like a, it, like the government like a should. a rehab su- su- uh, facility or something to yeah. that effect. It should be like, we find you with meth, like we take it away and like slap on the wrist, like two hundred dollars, fine, like, you know, like like a speeding ticket. Right. Um, the only thing is, because meth does just involve so much criminal activity to be in existence, mm-hmm. I don't think you can. Um, when you look at the research of how many uh, murders, home invasions, all these like uh, here on campus, I don't know if you've ever met doc, uh, Dr. Rasha Shukla. So she wrote a book called Methamphetamine, A Love Story, which I highly suggest because it really takes you into the world of, of, of a meth addict and meth production and things like that um, in a very real and concrete way that, and the way she wrote it wasn't like, these people suck, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It was more of, this is why they love it. And you have to understand that. Um for the ultimate goal is to pushing for understanding of these folks. Mm. And I, I think it, it's, it's a marvelous book, but in it, the stories they're, uh, they're telling, and it, there's so much illegal activity that I just don't think you can decriminalize it. I, there's just too much mm. there. Now, some of that we made, right? Like, yeah. you can only buy one thing of cold medicine, uh, you know, or two things of it a year or whatever the rules are. Mm. Uh, those, that's dumb to some degree, yes. Uh, so some of it is us 
and and the rules that we've created that that now they're being broken. But when you look at the instances of murder, the instances of that, you start to see much more severe problems. Do you think it's the specifics of meth, or do you think like again, if we made like it, it's just kind of like escapism, like these people are looking for escape for escape so they the I think that's that how they, they start they can, absolutely yeah. yeah so the thing that they make is the thing that like they can make and like meth is a shit so so they right. so they make that but like if we made like mushrooms legal would they go to that would they go to mushrooms instead yeah. of maybe because I mean obviously they're super maybe. different but like, I, I think that'd be interesting to see like uh, in Colorado if meth numbers have declined Mm. Or Washington State, California to be. Um, oh yeah, for sure. You can take some edibles and like just trip your balls then, out. Yeah. And then do do they need to go that far? Yeah. Then? I don't know. Maybe if those numbers have declined, maybe it becomes a moot point to yeah. even talk about math in that discussion. Um, and 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 I, I've also been a part of a conversation where they compare um, math to the beginning because it is still kind of a newer or not more novel yeah. kind of drug. Um, to the beginnings of crack and the, the beginnings of uh, heroin. Mm. And there's strong parallel between the illegal activity and all the things that go along with it. I think at the end of the day, it still bothers me that it is so trash can made. Yep. I think that still bothers me. Um, and I'm not a chemist, so maybe if I were a chemist, I would not be that way about it but to me it still seems just down and dirty and and really bad for the body well did you i mean it destroys your teeth yeah right we know those things to my knowledge i don't think heroin destroys the teeth Mm and it starts to just just undo the body i heard there's this uh guy called i think carl hart and like he also like looks into addiction and stuff and i think he said that like it's not necessarily, I mean, it is bad for your teeth, but it, it's not necessarily it's the meth. It's you stop brushing. And yeah, you, exactly. You, you stop, stop taking care of it. As in, like, it, it is bad for your teeth, but if you brush your teeth, like, right after you did it, like, you'd be okay. Right. So, and, and I think and, and severe heroin users have teeth problems, mm-hmm. too, right? And so we know that some of that's just you just stop taking care of yeah. yourself. Um, so I don't know. And, and, and I'd be open for the conversation if I... Um, wanted to read more about it in those comparative kinds of analysis to say, you know, this and that. Um, but right now, I, for me, that would be a harder sell. Mm. Um, whereas if they said, well, I think we should legalize marijuana for recreational use, I'd be like, I think that's fine. Mm. I wouldn't have any problem with that at all. Um, mushrooms would be, like, mushrooms would, should be also, like, again, like, I'm... As like, a psych person, I'm with you. Yeah. It's the psychedelics that seem cool. But, but I don't want sure. people have legal MDMA. It's just like walking about like either. I don't. I'm okay with MDMA too. Like, I'm okay with like a lot of things. I think we were responsible. Like again, like flat tires like right over there, like two minutes away. I could like be trashed like every single day, but I don't. Like we be, and most people don't, right? Like so. Right. Well, and you look at the Netherlands, and you don't have these problems. Yeah, you, you see, it. they have like hash bars and all the other mm-hmm. stuff. Like, uh, yeah. Um, and, and I, I don't know how I would vote unless it was an honest to God like, hey, Stephen, go vote. Um, but 
I, I think before I would even consider voting, there would be rules that I would have to I would have to have, um, especially something similar to the Netherlands. So if I if I'm not mistaken, the Netherlands has rules that uh, <clears throat> public transportation is far better mm-hmm. than it is here. Yeah, right. That's a huge thing for me, um, especially in our state. Um, so I would have to have better public transportation, far better before I would consider voting for it. Um, Second to that, I think there's a rule in the Netherlands. What they do is they penalize the overstep. So if you drive under the influence, the first time is a pretty stiff penalty, but the second time you go to jail, and you go to jail for a fair amount of time. Like, it's it's a stiff penalty that way, and I'd like to see that. Um, Because really, the only time you're going to impact other people is if you impair. Yeah. Uh, you know, get into a car and you're impaired and then you, you hurt somebody. But I think technology might even help in that point because I think now they're they're getting to where they can, um, the oil's on your hands. Uh, so if you had a smart steering wheel yeah. and you have oils on your hands from some kind of drug, that they don't let your car start. Mm-hmm. It has a kill switch in it. Yeah. Or install like a blood prick thing for every car. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, you know, yeah. the driver's DNA doesn't, That's you know. That's expensive. It, it would be expensive, but I'm okay with these seat belts were expensive too. Yeah, to, at one point. So I, I think so. Things like that would be cool just to minimize the risk that you may hurt someone else. Because I'm all Driverless for people having freedoms until it, it hurts someone else. And yeah. if you've taken their freedom away, uh, their freedom of walking or whatever, I think that's where the problem comes in for me. Um, outside of that, I really wouldn't care mm. um, too much. But did you see like what? Uh, I think it's Portugal. That they decriminalized all drugs, and like, like everything, like addiction in general went down. Like a, a whole bunch of things improved. <clears throat> we, we can put that money into clinics, yeah, to support for people who abuse them. Um, you could do stuff like that, and it would be really cool. And again, I'm I'm not the thing that I'm <laughs> looking for. Is not like I wish they sold like meth in right. in like drugstores. That's not necessarily what I'm going for. But it is. <laughs> but it is kind of. It's kind of. I'm, Not for you, but for a friend, right? For, for a friend. <laughs> what I'm going for is like a... Because the idea for me is like punishment doesn't really work. And again, we're in psychology. We know that punishment yeah, doesn't really no, work. There's, 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 there's no question there. Um, I, I don't think the punishment... That's the problem with... I, I think people look at incarceration as, well, this is going to help somebody. No, it's just to take them away from hurting other people. That's all it is. It's punishment. It's for saying, how, you can't how long should the time out be? Right. And, and so this is the problem. Um, I, I don't think it should be... If they criminalize it... Well, here's the thing. Do we criminalize meth or do we criminalize the murder that the meth person caused or created or well, did? For sure, it's not like... We're not like... You know, well, like that. I, yeah, yeah, there's a difference. You know, like if Joe did meth and didn't kill anybody and, you know... Susie did meth and killed four people. I think the four murders should be criminalized, right? Like that that makes I'm, sense. I'm not for like meth murder. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that that would be yes, let's yeah. punish her. So I guess I would be okay with a decriminalization of meth if the person who's abusing it uh, or whatever has opportunity to seek help mm. and 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 take care of themselves. Mm. I, I think that would be probably um, more in line with it could, because then you could still criminalize maybe dealing like if you have an individual mm-hmm. distributor effort um, they, they, they could be criminalized for that 
because they don't have the right federal whatever yeah. to be a distributor or, or dealer. So, yeah, I, I think for individual use, reducing criminalization probably would be fine. What are the, like, the, because there's the stages or, like, degrees of, like, drugs? Yeah, uh, class, classification, yeah. class one, class two. So, like, it, I think almost, like, everything would go down to, like, the most it could be is, like, two, right? To where, like, like, meth, there's no... No benefit, but even that's like, but because again, like super devil's advocate, like you could probably be. Isn't like ADD medicine like pretty much meth? Um, I don't think it, it is. No, it's, it is different, um, and and it, it it does things to the body very differently. But when you look at like uh, Adderall or whatever, um, Ritalin and things like that, they're uppers and pretty severe uppers, but. So they don't have the high, like, so if you take meth, you're high for like two or three days, mm-hmm. maybe even four. Um, if you take Adderall, you're up for a bit. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. I don't, so no, they're not similar the, in ways, euphoria. but they're yeah. way different than others. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's different enough that I would say, um, I think meth is a, it should be a cautionary drug. Yeah. Simply because, like, there's there's people. There was a. Uh, I think one of the people that Dr. Shukla uh, interviewed uh, <clears throat> got beat by meth. Uh, tried to kill himself. Had a hole in the roof of his mouth. Bullet came through his head. He didn't die. Uh, but his intention was because he couldn't ever get clean of it. And there's several stories about people who were using it and weren't taking care of the children, weren't taking it, none of those things were in place. And they've gotten sober to doing the interview. And they indicate, and this is why it's called a love story, that they love it so much they go back to it. Mm. Like they don't hate it still. Yeah. This guy tried to kill himself yeah. because of it, and he doesn't hate it still. Yeah. That means something. I think that that identifies the drugs a little more than well, but it's, it it puts you in such a state of yeah, uh, non reality. You know mm-hmm. that you're you see the same thing. It with says like you feel lives. like God, and uh, like some of the ways they describe you, you feel like God. You can have sex forever, the greatest sex ever. And what are they? There's like they're almost describing what many people would say. That's heaven. Yeah, right. It has to be. That's heaven. Uh, and but the what comes from it. Uh, also, like, is, when, is, when people are, like, at the bottom of our, like, social strata, like... <clears throat> I live I live in, you know, uh, some small hip town somewhere where there's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm told, I, I read stories all day of all these amazing people and all the things they accomplish. And you're telling me there's something out there that I can sell. And I can make millions of dollars doing it, which they can. There was several cases where the people had, you know, a million dollars or more or whatever. Um, sex all the time. All of this, like, rock star yeah. kind of lifestyle. Why wouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a statement of, of maybe the world we're creating. And we need to relook at the values that we have in this world um, where that is seen as, as super successful, you know, like when Donald Trump says, I make so much money, I'm successful. And everyone's like, oh, he knows his business. 
what have you filed bankruptcy like five times or whatever mm. for business mm. i mean is that success rich people don't go broke like we do right like you know like i don't and, and i think there was one analyst who said if he would have just put his dad's original like million dollars or whatever into an ira yeah he would have had way more money than he has yeah. today he's actually hurt himself financially mm. Um, but people don't have the critical thinking skills to see that. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I, I, I would be a little leery of putting something like meth in their hands because our values are off. Yeah. As a culture, I think we, we've changed that. Mm. And so for me, that's why I'm so hesitant for that. I, I could go with decriminalization, but maybe not legalization. Have you heard about, uh, well, okay, I've heard about how like hunter-gatherers, there's no like exact leader, right? Like they, like whoever has the best idea, like that's like, yeah, let's follow that guy. And there's like the best hunter. And like, that's like, when it comes to hunting, we're gonna listen to the best hunter. Like, and he didn't get there by stabbing people in the, like he just, he's the best hunter. And so there's like, so there's no like one true leader. It's all like kind of like community and stuff like that. Uh, So let's say you, you're the president. We just chose you. What are you, your steps? Who takes this bitch? I'm president. Um, so things that I think the presidency should include or places that we should be looking at. Uh, number one, because um, I'm kind of a mixed breed on certain things. I believe we should have term limits for senators and congressmen. I don't think it should be a lie. I honestly, honestly think it might be kind of cool, I'm on the fence, to say that uh, we fill the roles of congressmen by draft. So the other countries have that where you everybody goes into military service or whatever. I think we could do it where everybody goes into some type of vocation of leadership, either state level or federal level, um, for a term, and they're paid what they would make in their normal salary, then they go back to their job. Um, that's just like jury duty. you got to go to your service. You think if you do that, then you have to consider something outside of yourself. You have to consider the community. You can't just say, well, I want this, and this is what's good for me. Um, you know, my, my brother basically voted for Trump because... He had an axe against Hillary, and he believed Hillary was just the worst person, which is not true. Uh, there's no evidence of that being true, um, and that Trump would be better for him financially. We can't vote that way. We have to say that we're a part of a group, and it can't be what's best for me, you know? Like, who turned the biggest trick for me? We, we sh- it's like that, that almost takes all of our political game back to grade school when, you know, well, that candidate for class president gave me a candy bar. So they get my vote. Yeah. It got to be better than that. There, I, I like the the ranking. Like if I, I really feel like uh, what was the, the independent dude uh, for uh, in the race that like Hillary, like cause a third person got in the ballot. Bernie? No, because he, he's an independent. But yeah, he he was. Well, that's a, yeah, yeah. Uh, can't remember. Uh, but he, Aleppo. Remember that dude? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like he would have won if you would have ranked him. As in, like, I for sure don't want like Hillary. I for sure, or like, like I hate Trump less. Right. And then like, but that guy's better, man. Yeah. Then, no, I, I think that could be something. 
too. Yeah. Gary Johnson. That's look it. at it that way. Yeah, and, and then go by the highest. I was kind of pissed that Bernie didn't run as an independent afterwards. Yeah. Because I think Bernie would have beat both of them. I really do. I think if he would have said, you know what, screw this, I lost the Democratic uh, position, I'm going to run as an independent, I think he wins. I feel like in if you rank him, he would have won. I don't know. Like, I... Because there's a lot of people that, like... Because I mean, thought he, that like Bernie was too like hopeful, like you know, like oh, promising yeah. too much. Right, but um, but at the same token, I don't think so. Because uh, there's a lot of things that I I I think we should do as a country. If I were president, I would do that are similar to him. I think um, education should be free. I think college education should be free um, as long as somebody can make like above a two point five. If you make it above a two point five GPA, it's free. Um, I think we should get rid of. Uh, money and politics completely. Um, I don't think they should be lobbyists. I don't think there should be any of that. Uh, term limits seem reasonable to me. Uh, but I don't know that it should be like two years. Maybe you can serve like three terms total. Something like that. Not 20 years. Uh, because, God, we should have had Inhofe out. Like, I don't know how many years ago. Um, that would have been so cool. And then I wouldn't have had to see his snowball stupid antics because people in this state are still going to vote for him. Um, so I think some of those things would be great. Uh, I think we've doubled down on education. The first thing I say, uh, so education, we put a lot of money into education, but we don't get a lot of return for it. It seems to be. Uh, and I think some of the things that we could do is, number one, cut down superintendents. Mm -hmm. If that, that person needs to go back to the classroom and start teaching again. Yeah. Um, I, I think we have fewer superintendents covering more wide range of areas because those salaries are pretty high. Um, do that, do get away from uh, standardized testing being anything important uh, and let teachers go back to doing their jobs. Mm. I think those are three things, three steps we could take to actually make a big difference in education. All those school things though, like could... Oh, and the other thing is no more funding schools by property tax. Oh yeah. Because I think that's absolutely asinine. Mm -hmm. When you have, like some schools here in Oklahoma City, uh, who are their budget is awful, but you know here they are in Oklahoma City, ten miles away because it's in Heritage Hall, or, or you know the Mesta Park area where everybody's property value is high. Um, they have great schools with yeah. all kinds of after-school programs and all these other things. Meanwhile, ten miles away, they're sharing textbooks. The AC doesn't work. The heater doesn't work. Mm -hmm. The classrooms are overrun. Um, they don't have paper. All the, that should not happen. So I think the other thing we should do is put all that money into one pot and and, then and divide by student. Yeah. How many students do you have? That's how much money you get. Yeah. And I think then it becomes a little bit more even, especially if we're trying to make a capitalist concept anything. And it's kind of like a... If the state is rich, then like we're, we're trying to make everybody earn more money, right? right? As opposed to like just get this neighborhood that has a lot of money and then like fuck right. everybody else. Like and they, they keep making rules to keep Section 8 housing out yeah. because Section 8 housing doesn't even count for you. Yeah. So the more Section 8 housing you have, the, cheap, the poorer your school is, mm. for sure. So it looks like that would be reasonable to me. I'm, I like a certain... Would you like make what would you make? Because again, as the president, you'd have to make like federal rules. Every right. single state follows this. Like, I'm scared of like the government making like, hey, every single state needs to follow this. 
No, yeah. So uh, there's there's a lot of that, and I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I think like certain things have to be from a federal position. Uh, civil rights has to be a federal position. Um, I, I don't think we can allow that to be a states' right uh, position on certain things. I, I think that does become federal. Um, education, I believe, should be federally supported at the very least. Um, maybe not mandated because. I think we should trust teachers and, and, and parents to make sure their kids are educated well um, versus some standardized test that somebody believed was good because the history of standardized tests has not been very great. Um, so I think those are things federally, um, if I wanted to take a move to like decriminalize drugs and nonviolent offense, I think that's important. Because uh, our jails are a little bit overrun, um, and I think we should invest that money in things that promote our society versus just things that protect it. Because I think promoting it does protect it, you know, and I think it also adds for better potential. Um, so I think those are some things that you know you're obviously going to have to look like national defense and things like that. Um, the other first step I would say is there's no more um, get out of tax-free cards for businesses and things like that. Um, you know, more and more we've heard the narrative that businesses want to be people. Well, so they want to be taxed then because people are taxed. So let's, let's let you be a people then uh, and, and go ahead and tax them the way they're supposed to be. Um, I absolutely believe in that. And, and you know, the whole trickle-down concept is, is just stupid. It's never worked. Um, so I think then we push money into... The lower levels. I've never understood trickle down because, as like, if we're looking at economics, I would probably be way more favorable to a socialist approach than than a capitalist approach, unless we do true capitalism, then I'd be okay with that too, right? Um, so Huey Long was a guy who ran for president way back when, who was a socialist, but he also sets up everything to be a capitalist too. Because we don't have that here. We, we have plutocratic oligarchy, which is not capitalism. Um, if, if you make it because your dad was rich, then it's not capitalist. Right? Mm -hmm. Capitalist means you have just as much risk as everybody else. Mm -hmm. Dad's money doesn't mean anything. <clears throat> so I, I do believe that there should be things like death taxes and things like that where that money that your dad made does go back to the community. Um, Huey Long was... Uh, murdered when he ran for president because, and he was, you know, he revitalized Louisiana in a wonderful way. Louisiana has benefited really well from him being the governor. Uh, but he basically said, uh, so if you take Oklahoma City and Tulsa, and somewhere way back when, I go put a house right in, in between, before those two cities are really grown. And then all of a sudden, there's like a f eight lane highway going to and from because those become major cities. Um, I haven't done anything to make it that way. I just bought a house in some little yeah. area. Uh, but then they're like, okay, well, you know what? People are probably going to get tired of going between the two and maybe want to stay right in the middle. So let's let's put a hospital there and let's put a school there and let's put a police uh, station. Let's, let's make it a little bit better. So all of a sudden, my property value just shot through the roof, right? And I didn't do anything to, yeah. to earn that. I just yeah. got lucky. Yeah. Um, so Huey Long said... Why should that be that person's money? 
it seems to be that that money was actually generated by the investment of the entire state. Yeah, right? Death tax. So he believed that you should get like a certain percentage per year you've lived there, um, plus everything you've done to make it better or whatever. Um, and then above that, that that was actually the investment of other people mm -hmm. into your property. And they should be getting the return on it, not you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't find fault in that thought. I really don't. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that makes sense because it was taxpayer money that made that house worth that much mm -hmm. money. And if we put that much money back into the system, that everything can flourish still. You know, and I don't want to rob anybody of their house, but let's be sincere. You spent $20,000 buying a house in the middle of nowhere. You don't earn $3 million because of it later. Like, and that doesn't equate. Um, and so those kinds of things. And so, you know, if I'm not mistaken, he was found in a hotel room, shot in the head, but there was no gun in the room. And somehow they still called it a suicide. Uh, so that's kind of fascinating. Um, the window open. I'm wondering if, like, That's what it was. It ricocheted out and he just, like, launched it, I guess. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, some, some things like that, to me, make real logical sense yeah um to where we can uh, another thing i believe in is, is healthcare should be free mm -hmm. um and i also think uh <clears throat> i believe you should not be able to profit a truly profit is in like private business type yeah. of profit off of healthcare. yeah like i don't think that should happen because at some point you're going to be in a position to deny somebody help so that it makes you more money and you should never yeah. be in that position. That should never happen. So I think all medicine should be run almost as non-profit. Non-profit, yeah. I was thinking that the, like my idea is almost like libertarian to where like, I, I the government, this is what I would do if I was a president. Uh, I do think that as a federal government, we should invest in like education, healthcare. Let's just say those two. But what I would do is like tax everybody the same and then just give it out like kind of like how you said like for education just like to everybody else and then like Oklahoma you have this many people you have this much money and then you can spend it however you want but like at the end of the year we're going to compare how every single and like make it super transparent like how did Oklahoma spend their education money how did Oklahoma spend their like healthcare money and then just rank like this is how they're doing on crime this is how they're doing on like whatever like and it's just saying, like, we as a federal government care about these two things. This is the money that we're giving you for it. And then you can spend it however you want. And then the, I mean, the state that has the best education is like, hey, they had the same amount of money. Like, we gave them the same amount as you. Percentage-wise, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But, like, they're... So what are their 50th, teachers? And then it, this is the first... Like, how... What are their teachers doing? Yeah. What are they, and then their teachers can help teach yeah. over here. So then, and, and make that kind of like, because I feel like we don't have that di dialogue of like, this is what this state is doing. Oh, absolutely. This, this, this and, and now, and not you know, to go with that though, there's, there's a few issues there that are obviously cause problems or in, in research, you know, extra noise or whatever. Um, how many museums do we have in Oklahoma to go, for, to, go to? Mm. How many... How many elements of orchestra? How many elements of what? So someone in New York compared to someone yeah. in, in Oklahoma has a totally different world. Mm -hmm. You, uh, everything's different. Not only that, 
how many minorities are you around in Oklahoma versus how many you're around. So some of those things will create uh, the gap in education to a degree. Um, but I think I think your your view of it will get somewhere. It'll get mm-hmm. better than where we're at. Um, and then maybe eventually those gaps can shorten and shorten yeah. and keep shortening, uh, which would be the goal um, to where everybody's kind of better mm-hmm. than they were. I, I think the important thing would be is not only to compare to New York, but to compare to previous years yeah. of you. Like, let's look at it. And I think you can use standardized testing for that, but we just can't make them so important. Yeah. Like, you don't get funded based on standardized testing, but let's take that benchmark to see where you were to see if you're getting any better or any worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when we take those kinds of standardized tests, we just get really good at taking the tests. So we have to also ma- yeah. manage that concept as well. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, I, I don't see a problem with that. Um, but I, I do think the federal government has to kind of somewhat earmark or control. So, like, if some of that money is supposed to go to road development, mm. like if we had our own little Mary Fallon, Right, you give her a budget for roads, and all of a sudden, that money ends up in uh, her. Yeah. The people who contributed to her her uh, campaign's pocket. I don't, I don't want to make it uh, like a yearly like check where every and like put it like on YouTube, Netflix, like all the stations, like just like to make it super obvious. Like, hey, here's what Mary Fallon's been doing with your money. Here's what, like just I, like, to make it super like just shame people, shame governors yeah. into like. And then if, if if they've done something wrong, so like if, if we have a governor and they they are allocated X amount of money for roads and mm-hmm. whatever and all of that, and they don't use it appropriately and they misappropriate sure. it, go to them, take them to jail. Mm-hmm. Instead of criminalizing mm-hmm. the the drug offenders, yeah. let's criminalize them. Mm-hmm. Like oh you you gave that money to your friend, mm-hmm. you misused it. Okay, so you get to go to jail because you misused the public money. Yeah, we're gonna put public first, public before you mm-hmm. and your friend. I wouldn't mind that. I think that could be cool. And I do believe, I don't know, maybe we, we've been talking for more than an hour. So yeah, I don't know. Sorry? We can we can end right here, but we could talk for like five hours. I about this. So. Yeah. I, I'm that way. Yeah. All right. This is fun. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank no, you I, I enjoyed it. Sometime. We end up on a, on a bash of Mary Fallon. I, yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's a good ending. <laughs> <laughs>